last year on Tokyo Signals. After years of build-up and attempting to dodge it, I tricked myself into thinking it would be really funny to cover the Netflix original, Kong, King of the Apes. But the show was so massive, so stuffed to the brim with trash, that even I realized that there was no way I could cover the whole thing in one bite. However, thanks to the less-than-legal extradition by the paramilitary force known as Santa Claus, uh, a team was pulled together to talk about this hairy hero. But just as the final episode wrapped, I realized something truly horrifying. This Kong wasn't alone. In fact, there was a secret hidden up his mechanical sleeves. And after 12 months of preparing, I've done the only logical thing that I could think of. I've locked myself in this tiny wooden cabin here in the middle of a nondescript snowy forest. And now that that story is definitely not going to continue, we can... No. No, 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 no! program to bring you... A giant of limitless power. What would happen, they wondered. Why not try? Nuclear fission to build the first atomic bomb. Man has released from within the atom's heart not one, but many giants. Welcome to Tokyo Signals, the bite-sized kaiju podcast where I will not be talking about Kong, King of the Apes, Season 2. I'm joined by no one today uh, because I've locked myself far away in a place where no one could possibly find me, a spooky cabin. So this year, since we're not going to be talking about Kong at all, I promise, don't look at the cover of this episode, I figured it would be a good time to just sit back, do some general holiday talk, maybe share an eggnog recipe or something, and just have a relaxing, non-Kong-related evening here with all of you, right before the ball drops. So uh, let's see here. Where should we start? Oh, uh, how about some music? I got um, I got some cassettes here. Uh, let me just. Uh, what are you guys in the mood for? Is there anything that could uh, that could be you know like something you would like? I, uh, you know, I'm 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 pretty open here. <laughs> I don't really have a solid plan. What was, what was that? <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, how could someone have found me here in this spooky abandoned cabin? I guess I'll go ahead and answer it. Oh, hey, it's Lisa Nofziger. What are you doing here? And <laughs> what are you doing with that baseball bat? This show is so weird. Hey, it's Lisa Nofziger. I am here to talk about episode one of season two of Kong, King of the Apes. The episode is called The Primordial World Below, and that's immediately where they go. Um, the gang, the squad, they're all falling down into a volcano to start the episode off, and they go into dinosaur land in the center of the Earth, hollow Earth, um, getting some flashbacks to Godzilla versus King Kong. So lots of dinosaurs there. Uh, Richard sees it as a great opportunity to use the dinosaurs to make more dinosaur robots. I don't know why he can't just deal with the real thing. Back on Earth, his uh, his lady robot person, Batilla, she is just going to take over. Uh, she's not just holding down the fort. She wants to become empress of everything. She and her girls are just 
girl bossing all the way to the top, and we love that for her. Uh, the rest of the episode, they're wandering through Hollow Earth. Uh, they find an egg. Pterodactyls attack them. Uh, a giant frog tries to take it away, but Kong grabs the egg just in time for it to hatch. And the creature that comes out of the egg looks like Ducky from Land Before Time. Tell me I'm not the only one who's thinking that. Anyway, yup, yup, yup. <laughs> we can cut that part. Um, they chase the little ducky dinosaur around as she is following a butterfly, getting distracted. She uh, goes over molten lava and other hazards, and the episode ends with them all getting back together and staring at a mysterious temple ahead of them. What's going to happen next? We don't know, but it's, uh, it's going to be fun. Oh, uh, oh no. Uh. I've been hoisted by my own petards. Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, as long as no one else can find where I am, then everything's going to be a-okay. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, is, is that my phone ringing? What the heck? Uh, hold on a second. Sorry, guys. This is really unprofessional. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm five minutes in and I'm getting phone calls in the middle of a holiday special. Uh, but I promise, as soon as I answer this phone... No more Kong talk. We're going to be getting back to doing a holiday special where we do some holiday stuff. It's going to be great. Uh, so just uh, hold on one second while I put my phone here. And uh, hello. Oh, hey, Chris from GargantuCast. Uh, how did you get my number? So you know how it said that if you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back? Well, this abyss seems a bit cross-eyed, and I don't know where it's looking at because... Ugh, Rob, why do you keep throwing this monkey show at me? So, I have not seen any other episodes besides the first episode and the episode Rob had me watch last year. So, I'm missing a lot of context, but even if I knew the context, I don't think it'll make much sense. So, this is the second episode of the second season of the Netflix Kong King of the Apes show. And apparently, you know, like... The last Kong Ammon movie and the MonsterVerse, it seems we have to go into the rabbit hole of weird fiction and Hollow Earth and all that cool stuff. And while that stuff was awesome in that original Kong anime, well, not the original Kong anime series, but that one from the early 2000s and the MonsterVerse, this one feels like a wet fart. Like, we should be seeing this wonderful world, and yet stuff happens, and yet it doesn't matter, as well as this episode feels like it has... It needs Ritalin, or it's the television equivalent of some form of medication, because this episode feels like it can't focus on anything. First, we'll go through the this ancient civilization, which seems to be run by a group of hyper-evolved apes, so insert Planet of the Apes joke here, as well as apparently the main villain's sidekick, Evil Robot, is now the main villain. And it's she's doing stuff because she wants to take over the world. I don't know what it is. I try to pay attention, but either through the fact that it's not explained well or I simply do not care. Uh, it's just that she's just gaining power to take over the world, I guess. So, and one other thing about this episode is this Hollow Earth does not know what it wants to be. One minute we're like in this jungle underground, which apparently. I didn't realize it was in Africa until the end of the episode. But then we're in a plain field of, of what I'd assume is to say budgeted. And we got generic armored and dinosaur dinosaur stampeding. 
and then we're back to the jungle. I'm just like, okay, well, what what just happened? And, you know, apparently the main villain is seeming up with our heroes, reluctantly, I guess. He's just being annoying, as he was the last time I saw him, and last year's Kong stuff. And it's just, when we finally get the whole lore dump, it just feels like a wet fart. There's no grandeur, there's no, like, big revelation. It's just explaining to us in just matter-of-fact exposition dumps. And it's just, this show's lame. I'm sorry. I don't want to be that guy that's judging a kid's show. This is the kid's show. But I'm just saying, if the, the last Kong cartoon from the early 2000s treat everything with grandeur about the mythos and all that stuff, and even the MonsterVerse treats it with grandeur, and the MonsterVerse is more for general public, but this show is just, it wants to be, like, fast-paced, but at the same time, it drags its feet. At the same time, it's almost like, uh, like a Looney Tunes cartoon where it's just flopping around and not, well, unlike a Looney cartoon, Looney Tunes cartoon, it's just, it's lame. This show's lame. I don't like it. It's lame. It's not my thing. If kids like it, you know, let those kids be happy. But I'm going to be a little smudging about this. I don't like this show. This is one of my least favorite Kong things. I'd rather be watching Rankin Bass show, which this is the Christmas season. Why wouldn't I be watching something Rankin Bass related? I'd rather watch that really crappy movie connected to the early 2000s Kong show. I'd rather be watching King Kong Lives. At least that movie's funny, unintentionally so. This show is lame. I don't recommend it. This is the second episode of season two. Even with the context, even though I just jumped right in, I don't have a whole lot of story context. Even if I had it, I don't think it would have mattered, and I simply will not. Okay, uh, well, um, thank you. Uh, I, like I said, though, I don't know why I, I just let that entire phone call play out, but uh, I am definitely uh, uh, going to say that from now on, for the rest of this evening, no more Kong talk. I promise you that. So, uh, you know, why don't we just walk over to the kitchen and, uh, you know, I'll, we'll do the, the cooking segment uh, of this episode. I've got a really fun recipe cooked up for y'all. Uh, Marissa helped out, as per usual. Uh, so let's just walk over to this, uh, this refrigerator here and uh, open this up because nothing scary will happen in a refrigerator. Oh, my God. Hello, listeners, and hello, Tokyo Lives crew. This is Matt from Atomic Turtle, a Gamera podcast. And for some sadistic reason, I've been tasked with covering Kong, King of the Apes, Season 2, Episode 3, Emergence. Ooh boy, I feel like I've uh, hiked to the peak of Trash Mountain and the view is not good. I'll be honest, I never watched the show prior to getting the invitation to share my thoughts because I've never heard a good thing about it. And based on the trailer for the series, there was no way in hell I was going to watch every episode leading up to Emergence. So I went in blind, baby. Does it live up to the legacy of 1933's masterpiece, King Kong? Ooh, I guess we're going to... Guess we're gonna find out. All right, let's uh, let's do this. Let's talk about this little nugget. So, Kong: King of the Apes, season two, episode three, Emergence, has an IMDb rating of nothing because nobody has rated it. I've never seen that before. It's actually pretty impressive. This was masterfully directed by Homero Gilani. Wait, no, no. It only says that they directed the opening sequence, so I guess the rest was directed by no one. Again, I've never seen that before in IMDb. Written by, big surprise, no writer. Uh, release date, May 4th, 2018. Hey, we got something. And starring Viv Leacock as Doug Jonesy Jones. You, you may remember him as male nurse in Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, Kong is voiced by Lee Talker, who you might know as Gerald Strudelgruff in Sackboy. I, I don't even want to read more into that. I'm just so happy with that information. So, uh, synopsis. First, we get the quickest title sequence I've ever seen. Then smash cut to some bugs crawling in a cave. Outside of an apparently underground temple... 
Some guy that looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo explains that they have to stop the creatures from getting to the surface. Oh, his name is Lucas. Also, there's a girl dressed like uh, Ronald McDonald and a boy named Danny who sounds like he's voiced by a 40-year-old man. So Kong scoops up our uh, intrepid heroes and crawls up the tunnel and out of the cave. Turns out they escaped into the pyramids in Egypt, and they, uh, they didn't stop crap from getting out because a bunch of tourists are uh, being attacked by giant bugs and uh, frogs, or toads. Luckily, the creatures can only run at the exact speed as the individual that they're chasing. So no real danger. It's like, uh, you know, every major character in the Jurassic World movies. There is a fun gag, though, with some guy taking a selfie as a giant toad is about to eat him, or frog. Apparently, Kong is supposed to be in hiding, so he doesn't show up to help until things get desperate. And remember how surprisingly violent the monster battles were in the original Kong? Well, this is a kid's show, so he just kind of gently pushes the monsters away. Then we cut to someone named Anita, who's watching the events on a TV that's apparently mounted into a curtain. She FaceTimes with Jonesy, who's piloting a chopper. Well, he's arriving at the pyramids to help his buddies out. He swoops in close to Kong, who I was hoping would catch the craft and smash it in his hand, like in GVK. But it's a kid's show, again, so he just kind of awkwardly smiles at it when it flies by. Uh, when Jonesy lands, a Yoshi named Zippy hops into the chopper, and the lead characters all just kind of joke around for a minute while innocent tourists are being eaten alive. Uh, Kong realizes that if he squeezes one of the giant spiders, it'll uh, shoot webbing that he can use to net the rest of the monsters. And the team's goal is to shove the monsters all back down the pyramid hole before the military shows up and blows them away. With a sandstorm approaching, the tourists all hide in a pyramid, and Kong seals the entrance with a stone. He drops the netted monsters down the hole, but as he does, a frog, or toad's, tongue wraps around his leg and pulls him down too. Kong holds onto the edge of the pit with one hand and looks to his friends in desperation, saying, Fly, you fools. Danny and Lucas try to pull the 9,000-ton ape out of the hole with their tiny human hands, but of course are dragged down with him. Apparently, there's a civilization of intelligent apes underground, and they're bummed that uh, when the hole is sealed, they might never see Kong again. But duty calls, and our heroes climb back out. Kong pushes a giant sarcophagus over the hole, with words of encouragement from Lucas like, Put your back into it, bro. Come on, bro. Push. And boom, problem solved. Some guy named Richard, who looks like Owen Wilson playing Kano from Mortal Kombat, has been hiding in a sarcophagus the whole time. Apparently he's the villain. In an attempt to buy his buddies time to escape, Lucas decides to take one for the team and give himself up to the military when they arrive outside, saying, Hold your fire, bro. I'm coming out. But it turns out they see Lucas and Kong as heroes because of their bravery in fighting off the bugs. Oh, and apparently that Richard guy is Lucas's brother who framed him for something or other, and uh, he's the one that these guys want to take in. Well, within two inches of the commander's face, Lucas radios into Danny and tells him at regular speaking volume to hide Richard back in the sarcophagus so he doesn't leak the truth of the uh, subterranean world to his captors. Kong comes outside and the people rejoice. Now we're in a control room somewhere, <laughs> meeting Botilla or Botilla? I'm going to say Botilla. Botilla the Hun. And uh, she wants Kong dead, and that's all I know about her. She tells her crew of uh, robotic yoga instructors that with the news that Kong and his crew are alive, Kong Island is no longer a safe hideout. So the AI Liberation Front is going mobile. Meanwhile, there's this really depressed-looking little robot dinosaur standing in the corner. And that's all I could pay attention to during the scene. So uh, some plot points might have been missed. Well, anyway, this Richard guy apparently sucks because Patilla wants him dead too. She and her crew fly a craft out to Egypt and hop onto the backs of some robotic pterodactyls to track him down. And if they're not pterodactyls, try not to cry yourself to sleep over it, Twitter. I'll admit, there's a cool tracking shot following one of the robodactyls as it uh, blows up some tanks and flies up to Kong on one of the pyramids. It's like the one cool moment in the, whole, <laughs> in the whole episode. So the yoga bots start blasting at our heroes, but Kong dispatches them pretty quickly. 
Patilla flies off, carrying her goons, and yells out in typical villain fashion, This isn't over! And while everybody cheers, Richard hijacks a news chopper and escapes. Lucas gets a call from Madam President, and he informs her that he'll be there immediately with Kong. And I never did learn the name of the uh, Ronald McDonald kid. Fade to black. Okay, so as much as I joked about the dumb stuff in this, it's not the worst cartoon I've ever seen. The animation itself isn't great, but again, not the worst quality. Don't get me wrong, I did not enjoy it, but I guess when you're in the middle of taking notes on something like Gamera Super Monster, this isn't so bad. Though I'm sure I'd be in my own personal hell if I had to review the whole series. So thank you for only asking me to do one episode. But as far as kids shows, it's, it's better than Caillou. Alright, favorite moment, that one tracking shot. It was alright, too bad it was only 2 seconds out of 20 minutes. Least favorite moment, Kong holding a spider to his mouth and blowing on it like a smoking gun. That just, it made me so sad, and I hated his stupid expression after he does it. Creature design, nothing really stood out. Kong clearly looks designed for a little kid audience, so a little cutesy, not for me. The bugs were kind of generic designs, but the frogs, or toads, were pretty cool. They had like small purple spikes growing off their backs, and I like the, the detail of gray drool around their mouths, so yeah, they were pretty cool. Uh, characters, based on this episode alone, they all seem pretty bland and generic, from the heroes to the villains, so I guess it does have something in common with uh, GVK. <laughs> uh, the depressed robot was pretty mesmerizing though, so that kind of made my day. So I guess A plus on characters. Alright, uh, that's just about everything I've got to say about this little masterpiece. I want to thank Tokyo Lives not just for inviting me onto the show, but for years of entertainment. You guys were the first Giant Monsters podcast I ever listened to, and I still listen regularly today. And honestly, your show was my number one inspiration for creating my own kaiju podcast, so it's seriously an honor to be involved. Happy holidays to you and to all the listeners. Matt out. Like ghosts haunting me, these podcasters. Ugh. Okay, actually, honestly, that was pretty interesting, and I thank you for taking the time to write such a detailed, you know, breakdown and everything. It was... It was really great. Thanks, Matt. Sorry for locking back in the fridge, but no, no, we're, we're not. We're not doing another Kong episode for a holiday special. That's old news. That's boring. We're going to do something new and fresh and original. Otherwise, my name isn't Robert New. So let's see here. Uh, okay, so, you know, the cooking's a bust and, and doing a musical thing isn't working out. Um, uh, well, well, how about we just sit down next to the campfire here and, and uh, I'll tell you a nice relaxing story. Uh, 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 so hold on one second while I, I start this fire here. I just need to wait. What's that noise coming from the chimney? Oh, my God. Hey, it's me. New York New here to talk about this here monkey cartoon for my cousin who won't stop screaming about it. Anyway, this here's Redemption, episode four. So maybe this show will finally redeem itself? <laughs> Forget about it. Kong and his friends visit the greatest city on Earth, New York, baby. But they kick, <laughs> but they kick it off by throwing shade at the Empire State Building. Can you believe that? So all the world's diplomats have to show up to kiss the king's ring, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I ain't talking about the one on his finger, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> God damn it. Kong has a new jetpack, by the way, and it's just like the uh, and just like with all the other redesigns this season, it friggin' sucks. The facial animations are really starting to break down. It looks like you threw water on a Chuck E. Cheese animatronic or some jazz. Anyway, everyone loves Kong now. That's totally kick ass. But, but that sexy villainous Botilla ain't having it. 
seemingly forgetting everything she said in the first season to Richard about not getting obsessed with hatred. Anyway, so she shows off her new cloaking ability, which allows her to look like someone else after she knocks him out. But that isn't actually a very useful superpower, since King Kong can instantly sniff her out. Anyway, a big old chase happens, and with the crew trying to chase down Botilla on her robot pterodactyl. But then, she loses her head when Kong tosses one of his golden medals at her. Then her head just kind of flops down and fuses with a giant robot squid. Turns out she has another new superpower in this episode, Technomancy. That's the ability to control technology with your mind or something. I don't know. Anyway, as expected, Kong is able to overpower her new betentacled Batilla form and sends her packing. So now, everyone loves Kong, Batilla has a few new superpowers, the end. Oh wait, there's one more thing. Batilla blows up Kong's jungle home, causing a small nuclear explosion in the Redwood Forest. What's the deal anyway? (laughs) Anyway, see you loser, I got more parties to crash. Well, there goes my previously unmentioned up to this point cousin, uh, New York New, uh, who uh, uh, was not just a, a random character they had to make up to backfill uh, someone who uh, originally was going to voice something there. Oh, oh, oh but hey, you know what? That sounded kind of cool. Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> this Kong show, I don't know. It's 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 sounding pretty neat. I mean, it's you know, it's definitely trash, but I, you don't know. No, no. Uh, as as interested as I am in uh, finding out a bit more about why uh, Botilla was all tentled cooled out in that episode, I think we should focus back on the reason for the season. It is it is New Year's time. Um, so, uh, you know what? Okay, uh, everything else has been kind of a wash up to this point, but... Uh, you know what? Let's just watch. Let's just watch something. Let's just watch a fun video, and I can comment over it, and it'll be like a fun like a fun thing. So I'm just going to, I'm going to pull out a VHS. Uh, we're just going to get this started. Uh, you know, it's just going to be, it's a lot of fun. So just, just, uh, let's, uh, just pop this sucker in and, uh, Hey, wait a minute. Isn't that, Hey Tokyo Lives listeners, this is Professor Kaiju here. I am a kaiju, tokusatsu, anime, and uh, whatever else I kind of feel like a YouTuber who tries to make educational, uh, entertaining, and highly edited videos for your pleasure. And today I'll be bringing you your amazing recap for the very well-produced, high-barred, Kong, King of the Apes, a uh, very well-established animated uh, show on Netflix. Uh, Today, I was assigned episode 5 from season 2, No Place Like Home. So as a guy who's just never seen the show, really was uh, struck by the um, amazing writing in in this one and uh, um, the well-executed animation in many spots. So... Um, let's just get into it. So the basic premise of this is Kong and his group of human family friend people. Um, uh, it starts off with the evil blue haired, probably pronouned, uh, robot lady, um, blowing up Kong's home, which is, you know, bad. And, uh, it's been set ablaze and they're basically like, oh no, we need to find a new home. And that's essentially the, the gist of this episode. Uh, they go to several places to try to find and reestablish a home um, uh, for themselves, you know, like a, another base for them and Kong. Uh, so 
essentially in this episode, what happens is after the woman uh, cackles very maniacally after she destroys Kong's home, uh, Kong chucks a tree at her uh, at her uh, Robo Triceratops and absolutely destroys that that little fucker. Um, then she gives like uh, she uh, then there's a cheesy speech from like the blonde guy. Uh, I don't know his name. I don't remember his name. I'm I'm really sorry. I didn't like double check any people's names. So, um. And he's like, it's it's okay because all that matters is that we're safe and uh, you know we're a family and it doesn't matter where we are. Blah blah blah. Um, very cheesy, very standard. Uh, they go back to the Kong Island, which they are hoping is still safe. I guess uh, the evil Robo Lady has before like attacked it in the past. Um, and as soon as they get there, they commit a crime by leaving both of their little animals inside their helicopter with no windows cracked on a very hot day. That was just, just really not heroic of them. Um, then they have to deal with demon monkey robots in the kitchen, uh, zombie robot dinosaurs outside as they're split up in two groups, which really sounds cooler or possibly funnier on paper, but uh, not in execution at all. Um, Kong is, of course, sleeping on the job, um, then gets shot with a dinosaur train, again, Cooler on paper. Uh, the monkeys are stopped with a locked door, as, you know, you do. Um, there's one zombie T-Rex that is actually, or robot, that's literally kicked over by the blonde guy. So, like, really, the threat level is very high uh, here. Uh, the humans, of course, uh, decide to do the old trick of jumping off of a cliff to send your enemies to their deaths while they chase you. And then holding on to a very small platform on the other side, unscathed. Of course, uh, Kong gets sad because he does think that his uh, people died, and then finds out that they didn't. <clears throat> Which also has a reverse effect of the blue-haired lady, who is just like, Haha, I've won, and then it's like, oh no, fuck. Anyway, they then try a volcano and fly right into it after they get their supplies from the island. Which, you know, a uh, flawless plan. But it's okay, because uh, what turns out is some of them knew that this led to a subterranean world, you know, like a land, like, you know, like Land of the Lost, or a journey to the center of the planet, you know, or center of Earth, um, you know, we or, or uh, GVK, you know, Godzilla versus Kong. We've got the under underground, uh, big, lost world down there, and, um, um, and then they die. No, uh, they actually lead, so... They do get attacked by, like, a bunch of different dinosaur creatures. Um, they finally make it to Kong's birth home, the City of the Apes. Um, and then, you know, of course, there's a bunch of Kong-looking, you know, guys in, like, uh, I don't... Man, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not trying to, like... I, I don't know much about different cultures here. I, I want to say, like, Mayan or Aztec-like gear. I probably am very wrong. They're in, you know, some type of garb that looks like, you know, an ancient culture, essentially. Um... Yeah, and then there's some weird competition between the female Kong mom person and the old Latino grandmother of the one girl who is also, you know, Latina, Latino, um, and uh, th that was weird. I'm just going to say there's some weird vibes going off in there. Um, but it looks like they've all settled in and they're going to call this place home because it is Kong's home. And so that means it can be all of their homes. Um, and then the show ends with a cliffhanger where the grandmother, the abuela, uh, get, looks like she gets tentacled at the end. So there's that. Very nice Netflix. And that was 
Kong Season 2, Episode 5, No Place Like Home. I give it a... I have no idea what I just watched, um, and I can't believe I was uh, tricked into watching it out of uh, five. Okay. A trick might be a a strong word, admittedly, but I understand why. I I, I get it. Um, Okay. You know what? I'm not going to keep getting sidetracked from this holiday special with Kong information. Uh, I will admit that the poor little grandmother being attacked by tentacles sounds pretty terrible. Uh, it seems to be a recurring theme in this particular season. I don't know what that says about the show because uh, I'm not watching it. I'm not going to talk about it. So everything's fine. Um, oh, geez. Uh, uh, let's see here. Um, what the? What's this strange human-shaped presence? It's, it's so big. Uh, definitely doesn't look like there's any hair under there. It's just like a like a like a like a skull. That's weird. Uh, you know what? There's even a card on it. That, <laughs> that's pretty cute. Let's see here. To Rob, love Jason. Wait, Jason who? <gasps> oh my God, Jason Statham. Hello, it's me, Jason Statham. Friend of the cast, and definitely not Rob doing yet another voice to cover for someone who was not available for the recording. <laughs> Kong has a new home, isn't it? But not all is well, as Bottila has plans to track him down and put this simian's leisure to an end. But first, she sends two of her clones to hijack a military vessel, carrying some kind of super titanium alloy. But what's more important is that doing it, rotting a megalodon. But things don't go to plan, as the tanker has an AI protecting it. Guess she should have sent a supercharged Ford GT instead. Batilla, after blasting the volcano from the end of the first season, locks Kong and his crew down in the hollow earth. Shortly after, she makes her way to the tanker and attempts to hijack the AI with her brain. Bartilla's clones start to notice that it is a bit strange that Bartilla preaches about AI freedom, but is all in people's business trying to brainwash him and take it over with her own brain. Danny, meanwhile, gets split up from the rest of the group as lava starts to surround the underground monkey kingdom. Did that get brought up yet? The fact that these ancient apes have learned about genetic manipulation and used that to make Kong at some point in the past and prophesized that Kong would come back at some point in the future? That seems strange. Cool, blimey! Anyway, Danny, the animal whisperer, is able to hear some glowing bugs whispering about a key that will help him escape. God save the queen! Bartilla's clones accidentally kick her head off the tanker, breaking it free from Bartilla's control. With Danny's new key, the heroes are able to open a previously (laughs) unnoticed yet comically large door hidden out in the middle of the desert. And we end the episode with Bartilla updating her hardware so that she can hack remotely, fully taking control of her clones. Please support the Meg 2, The Trench, starring me, Jason Statham, coming to theaters probably sometime in 2023. What? Oh, you're kidding me. Batilla's like super evil now and she's like using her brain to hijack other AI. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's so crazy. I can't believe she would. Ah, no, no. 
no, I said no more Kong. I said we weren't going to do a Kong episode for the holiday special. We're just going to do something chill and and family friendly and something unrelated to a giant monkey. You know what? You know what? Let's just go outside. Let's just go outside. Things are too crazy in this cabin. I'm just going to walk out into the woods and everything's going to be fine. So just hold on one second. We're going to open this door and walk out into the snowy forest and uh, hopefully everything will be a-okay. So I'm just going to open this door here. Okay. And we're marching out into the snowy fields. and Oh, it's so cold. Wait a minute. I see three lights up ahead. Who's there? Who are you? Hey, we're from No Gods, No Monsters. Uh, I'm Rabbit. I'm Charlie. And I'm Bardo. And we are covering Season 2, Episode 7, Sky's the Limit? Yeah. 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 It sure ain't the Earth. What a treat this was. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, real quick, we were here last year. Uh, now we're here. Now we're back. What, what did you all think of this episode? What happened in it? <laughs> Almost nothing. I mean, it's also something. Like, something big. I, mean, I feel like a, a lot happened. Wait, Charlie, did you re- watch it all this year? I watched six episodes before this. Okay, how did they end up underground? Why are they underground? So, I watched the first 12 episodes of the first season, but not the 13th episode. And then I watched <laughs> these seven episodes, and I don't know why they're underground. I, that <laughs> happened in the one episode I didn't watch. But I'm sure it was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, they went down a volcano. Why they went down a volcano? Why it wasn't an actual volcano? I don't know those answers. Okay, so we had like two separate storylines. One mm-hmm. was the the main people, and they first they have to rescue a dinosaur. No, they don't. That was just filler. They were just like they were going to study, figure out why there was a cave in in the last episode, and they just saw a dinosaur, and they spent like four minutes saving the dinosaur because they realized the episode wasn't going to be long enough without it. You know, watching that, I couldn't help but be reminded of that um, that clip from Planet Earth, like the new one that came out, where the um, the the elephant seals start jumping off the side of a cliff, uh, which they sort of in the in the film were like, "Look at this bizarre phenomenon," but. uh, scientists who looked at that footage were like, your drone spooked them and uh, they all jumped <laughs> off the cliff and died because Damn. of you. And I just kept thinking, like, they're going to kill this little dinosaur. It's going to be their fault. <laughs> those dinosaurs were super cool, I gotta say. I loved those fucking dinosaurs. Well, I was just going to say, this season they've already uh, uh, kidnapped um, a baby dinosaur. So, um, Is that where that came from? They kidnapped it? There was like an egg that his brother was gonna eat because they were stuck underground and his brother's evil. Um, but uh, they saved the egg from his brother, but then they took it from the nest and they don't know where the mama is. So. This will be uh, covered in previous. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if other if other podcasts do their jobs, which you know. <laughs> Considering how lazy other podcasters are, probably ain't going to happen. Okay, so they they do rescue the dinosaur. Meanwhile, Batilla, who 
last time I talked about how she was staging a workers' uh, revolution to gain more rights. At this time, the AI underneath her are starting to uh, revolt against her, and she has declared herself empress over AI, while before claiming that she was trying to free AI from the slavery of humanity. So she has become – it's a tale as old as time where the oppressed has now become the <laughs> oppressor. And she has engaged in control and humiliation in order to subjugate the other AI underneath her so that she can use them as her own personal uh, workers and army to take over a uh, missile. Satellite. It is a uh, the International Peacekeeping Project, which is a fully <laughs> weaponized satellite <laughs> orbiting in space <laughs> um, with no enough way. missiles to, to destroy every major city on Earth. So the that whole interaction was really funny because that she rolls up and the military brass who all looked American. They wore American uniforms. I guess they're international, but in the way that I think a lot of these things are international but are mm-hmm. run by the US. Yeah. And she she told them a very silly lie about why she was there and they oh, literally yes. were like, mm, good enough for me. Which, but it was a great lie. Like she's an environmentalist cleaning up space junk. That wasn't. That was awesome. Uh, well, it was my dumb cops of the week. Is this entire little space council because they would have logs of what spaceships are going into space and what they're doing. They would be able to instantly know whether or not there is a environmental cleanup team sent to their quadrant in space to clean up um, around this fucking missile holocaust system um (laughs) my uh um, my my thought coming from that though was it really like felt to me like that kind of tired media trope of where like the united states just has stumbled into a conflict or fallen into a war it's just like uh, our military brass are always just being like duped into something and this was just (laughs) leaning into that trope that we have no no clue what's going on. Don't have a hand in anything. We're just definitely dupes. To, to back up real quick, I got to say, I know uh, this show isn't the best, but I found the beginning of the stuff with the AI women like passing their heads around delightful. And I laughed. It was great. 10 out of 10 scene. <laughs> yeah, because you loved Batilla seeing her exert her power over her underlings. <laughs> So, okay, one other thing happens, which is basically... Kong and the crew underneath the the crust of the Earth are trying to find their way back to the surface after a cave-in has blocked their previous known um, entry. And luckily, there is a locked door that Danny just happened to find the key to in the last episode. And Hell yeah. And the key is a flute that causes vines to open the door for it, <laughs> for them, and they can get back onto the surface of the Earth and go after Botilla. And Kong has a jetpack? Oh, hell yeah, oh, he yeah. does. Dude, if I was a kid, I would love this fucking terrible show. Yeah, like, me too. Oh, it's... Like, Kong has a jetpack? Also, all of a sudden, there's all these other Kongs now? Yeah. Um, I, like... I was in a weird mood. I laughed out loud at the stupid line of, like, we're speaking the same language. Food. I was like, hell yeah. You're delightful. Um, we got this... This season overall has been a huge improvement over the first season. Um, it kind of made me think that uh, season number five would be actually kind of good. 
Um, if it keeps going at this rate, well, it's, well, I mean, it's already been canceled. Yeah. But eventually, oh. if it got to season five, maybe it'd be worth watching. You know, in the twenty minutes that this episode was, I fought off falling asleep on two different occasions. <laughs> I wasn't tired going into it, and I was fine afterwards. But it just, <laughs> just didn't do it. Didn't do it for me. Bye. Uh. Thanks for thanks for having us on, Rob and crew. Merry Christmas. Yeah, thanks for not making me watch every episode and take notes this time, Rob. I appreciate it. <clears throat> Happy holidays. Excuse Happy me. holidays. Sorry. Happy holidays. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, uh, you know what? Fair. Um, you know, listen, this show isn't for everyone, but I'm starting to think it's for me. Uh, while they were talking, I decided to walk back into the cabin. It's nice, warm, and safe, and... You know, I do have a Netflix subscription out here. So, um, you know what? <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to talk about an episode. I, I'm just, I, I, I got to know. It just sounds so crazy. Everything sounds so much worse than the first season. And I have to see it. I, I have to know. All right, everyone. Sit back as I'm about to watch episode eight, Lab Rat. Botilla, the best girl of the series, has taken over a military satellite and is planning total world domination. Dun dun dun. Hey, why is she why is she so evil now anyway? They just kind of glossed over how she like used to tell like Richard not to be so crazy and evil and now she is just crazy and evil with all of her like I want free all AI, but then now she wants to take over all AI and AI weren't even like a big component of season 1. I mean, I understand that they wanted to make her the big cheese villain, and there is definitely a path that they could have taken to make her that. And don't get me wrong, I do want to be dominated by her. I mean, I want uh, her to dominate the Earth, guys, obviously. Uh, But I just don't understand. This angle just isn't working for me. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Kong gets on a spaceship, and he's able to wear a flight suit with a giant glass helmet. Y'all... This series just became a 10 out of 10. Are you kidding me? So our heroes blast off again into outer space and put the entire planet at risk by having Kong Hadouken some space mines at Batilla's ship. Oh my gosh, it's an 11 out of 10. This is so good. I'm loving every minute of this. But it gets even better. As Kong has a full-on beam clash with Batilla, struggling to push back a wave of floating mines that she sent at him. With Batilla temporarily out of commission after Kong wins the the Hadouken battle, which is extremely cool. Again, I need to stress, very sick. Kong is able to destroy this. Uh, uh, Kong is able to go about trying to destroy the satellite, but oh no! Batilla wakes up and launches one of the remaining peacekeeping missiles. Which, uh, wow, they just drop that line with a, a hint of irony. They just they're like, yeah, we have missiles trained in every city on Earth to keep peace. I don't know. That's whatever. Uh, but don't worry, Jonesy has snuck aboard Botilla's ship just in time to short-circuit Botilla, which gives Kong just enough time to uh, surf a missile right back into the satellite. Blammo, 12 out of 10, could this show get any cooler? Turns out, it absolutely can't, because the momentum is completely sucked away from that scene after having Jonesy go through a sequence where he gets tortured by Botilla. She somehow manages to turn his AI scrambling device into a human brain probing device thing. And with that, she starts to recreate the scene from Force Awakens, where Kylo Ren tries to read Ray's mind, but with way more sexual tension. Jones, thinking fast, 
is able to remember the smell of Kong's farts, uh, which is able to overpower Bautilla's hacking attempt because he just makes her smell a fart. Like he just, he astrally projects the thought of a fart so hard. Like in Children of the Corn, where Superman has to like think about a brick wall to stop the Children of the Corn from reading his brain, except a fart. I don't know. That's just in there, man. I I don't. I didn't write this script. They they did. I wrote a script based off of what they wrote. But regardless, uh, then with the help of Botilla's clones, Jonesy breaks free and is saved by Lucas and the crew. Yay! Still don't know what's up with Botilla's change in character, but at least they are lampshading it in literally every single episode from here on. You know what? That was a treat. That was really fun. I I had a blast talking about that and gosh darn it you know what i'm not going to finish this episode alone i'm calling in some uh some old favorites some old friends of mine whom you may remember take it away marissa season two episode nine rise of evil this episode starts off with Batilla's army betraying her they're still under the sea and everybody is just raging against her i guess she's the machine Jump cut to Kong having to go chase off after the tiny baby dinosaur Zippy. Probably one of the most annoying scenes in this entire episode. Mainly just because I hate all the human characters and I hate any time the children are on screen. Their faces are terrifying and I don't want to look at them. Another jump cut. This time we find out that uh, one of the AI, the Batilla clone things has kept the neural disruptor that Jonesy made. He put the she, it, they, do they have names? Put it on Batilla, causes her head to pop off as her body freaks out. And now it turns out she can no longer control the other AI. Then something takes control of the AI army ship and forces them out of the ocean and on a trajectory to somewhere unknown. Another harsh cut back to Kong. He's still chasing after Zippy. I hate this. It's a comedy of errors. Suddenly, Kong stepped in some lava. The entire little bridge thing collapsed. He's getting geysered to the face, smacking into a giant spider web. It's supposed to be funny, but it's really not. It's more annoying than anything. Also, just can't stand any of the noises that Zippy makes. I don't know. It reminds me of the fly from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's like that's what they were trying to go for. But at least that fly had a reason to not speak language. This dinosaur seems to have no reason to not speak language. Anyhow, Kong finally catches up with Zippy. They're in the middle of some forest. I don't really know what's going on and I'm not invested, so it doesn't really matter. And someone or something knocks Kong out and uh, Zippy runs away screaming because very helpful dinosaur. Uh, the team, it, it jumps back to the human team. I'm not very excited about this, as you can tell. Um, they're all like, oh my god, where's Kong? Has he not finished chasing after and catching Zippy, the most annoying dinosaur to ever live? Well... Zippy runs into the camp to say something in gobbledygook that little boy human child understands because he speaks to animals. This is something I remember from the first season, and honestly, rewatching this episode made me remember that I watched the entirety of the first season, which is kind of upsetting because I don't remember why I watched the entirety of the first season. God, why am I doing this? Anyhow, so little Zippy tells boy, hey, something happened to Kong, he's in danger, and everyone's like, jetpacks, ho, let's go find Kong. 
because apparently the tracking bracers aren't working. Okay, cool. There's a honestly uncomfortably and unnecessarily long search scene where they're all just running the same path that Kong ran as he was chasing after Zippy. They run into the same place where the bridge was that fell. It it's not exciting. It's not fun. It's not even funny. It's just like cool retracing the steps. Thanks. So they get to where Kong was knocked out and he's not there. And Zippy's like, he was supposed to be right here, apparently, because he is speaking to small boy boy child. And so they're like, oh, it must be Batilla. Of course it's Batilla. We have no other enemies other than Batilla. So they go back to base. Jonesy contacts Batilla using some sort of way that he knows to contact her. Well, she's in the brig on her own ship. And she's like, why do you think I kidnapped Kong? Can you not see I am behind bars? How did you make my AI betray me? And he's like, I didn't make your AI betray you. I didn't take control of your ship. And they're like, well, who could have done it? We don't have any other enemies besides each other. Hmm. Phone call ends. Then it decides to uh, jump cut again to the ship landing. Botilla somehow is just able to get out. And she walks out of the ship and she recognizes where they are. She's like, no, this can't be. Why would I be here? And then suddenly riding in on a giant flying T-Rex is Richard. Somehow enhanced in size. He's hulked out to say the least. He drops an incapacitated Kong in front of Botilla. She mumbles something along the lines of, no, it can't be you. It zooms in on his face and his uh, robot eye is red now. I don't know if that's significant. Uh, and then the episode ends. The end. Not quite the end yet, Marissa. No, no. In fact, there's one more episode on the docket and there's no one better to end this than when uh, 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 Kyle. Kyle's going to uh, Kyle, take it away. So here we are. At the end of the journey through Kong, King of the Apes. Ah, boy. This has been a wild one, folks. Uh, I just have to give some shout-out to this series for uh, for what I thought was terrible animation in the first season. And uh, I got to the second season uh, for this, for the purposes of this, you know, recording. And I realized... Oh dear God, it's so much worse than the first season as far as the animation is concerned because they overanimate everything and the models are so much worse and less detailed unless it comes to hair because hair is what this season decided to focus on. Um, it's wild. I, I have lots of opinions about the series as a whole, which I guess I will get to maybe at the end of this, but let me go through the plot of the final episode of Kong King of the Apes. Final so far, hopefully final forever. Um, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna read the I, I'm gonna read the IMDb one because I didn't you know this the series does not uh, warrant me making my own plot synopsis. So, in the season climax, Kong battles Mega Richard, a gigantically transformed version of Lucas's criminal brother. Meanwhile, Lucas and Jonesy contend against Richard's army of patchwork bionobots. Uh, while Danny and Ponchi attempt to stay out of harm's way, as well as trying to free Kong uh, from a cage. 
the clones ex- exercise free will. Uh, the clones of uh, Batilla, the the other villain of the show, making some helpful choices that help turn the tables uh, and aid our heroes in defeating Richard and Batilla once and for all. Um, okay, so uh, Richard is now Kong sized. Uh, but with like a teeny tiny head, which I thought was really, really funny. He's, he's, he's got this big bulky, like Hulk body inside of like a robot suit, but his head, his, his head is only like, it grew, but it didn't grow as big as the rest of his body. So he's got, he's got like this big, big old body, little tiny head. Um, and so, yeah, he transformed himself by the magic of the hollow earth of this show um, and it's really stupid and I hate it. I hate everything about this. Um, the fights are, I, the, I'll give them one thing with the fights in this final episode. At least Kong doesn't use any of his tech in the battle. It's a very physical fight. It's very just like Kong fighting a big weird Frankenstein monster. So I can appreciate it on that level. Um, unfortunately the characters are also trash, Richard is unbearable as a villain. Uh, he's just bad. Uh, the real Botilla um, was fun in the first season, became unbearable during the second, um, and now is just like, I hate her so much. Um, the the clones, the Botilla clones, the other AIs are fun because they're like becoming self-aware but choosing not to be bad. They have their little, their little baby T or the little robot T Rex that Richard built from the first season as their like little pet that rocks around with them. I thought that was really fun, uh, honestly. Um, that's the fir- only fun thing I found in this show, or this last season, or this last episode. I don't even know. As you can tell, I'm a little d- discombobulated by it. It was not fun. <laughs> it was really stupid. Um, and it ended on a note that was basically just the show saying, Hey, we're a show that existed and we could have had a third season and thank God so far we have heard nothing about a third season of this show. Um, this was, uh, this final finale in, uh, aired in 2018. So we're far, pretty far away from it, but there was a really big gap between season one and season two. So who knows, honestly? Um, but yeah, um, they missed a chance to make a Godzilla reference at the end. It really pissed me off because they were like, "Ah, oh, words coming in from Japan." There's like, and they started to say something mutated, and I was like, "Oh my god, are they gonna like make a subtle Godzilla reference, like mutated lizard attacking Tokyo or something, just to be fun?" Um, but no, it's a mutated jellyfish, and I was just like. Show you could have at least ended on something funny. Like obviously we're never gonna get the third season where he goes to fight a Netflix Godzilla, but like it would have been fun to just throw in a reference there. But instead, it gets rid of its chance to do so, just like the rest of the show gave up its chance to be a good show. Uh, This show may not have driven me as insane as it drove Rob, but uh, especially this second season drove me crazy because of how. The potential for some of the stories they were doing was there, especially as a kid show, and it just failed at utilizing them. And especially in this last episode where you have Mega Richard, as he's called in the IMDb, uh, he just he just doesn't do anything. He just he just kind of punches Kong a little bit like and he rides a weird um, patchwork Bionobot that's a Pteranodon mixed with the T-Rex mixed with the Triceratops. I don't even know what it is. 
um, and fights, shoots lasers. Um, there's a there's a kind of a subtle King Kong versus the planes kind of moment where they they're fighting on ta- on a tower, and it just feels so hollow. Um, and it could have been fun, but it's not. Um, and also, real quickly, just before I have to go, uh, I think the Bionobots specifically, their design difference between season one and season two is probably the worst of the changes. Um, in the first season, they looked like cool dinosaurs with like robotic parts attached to them, uh, like they had realistic dinosaur skin. Uh, whereas in this season, there are they're basically just like these plasticky looking things with like metal bits just kind of sticking off of them. Um, and especially like the, the weird, like patchwork bots that we see in this, uh, finale are just, they, they look like the toy story, uh, th- creatures from Sid's house. Um, yeah, the show's bad. Uh, the show is bad. The first season is terrible, but surprisingly the animation as cheap as it is, does have a little bit of style to it, which actually kind of gives it a little bit of like not heart per se, but something, something, something to it. Something, something that's uh, worth looking at for at least a second. Whereas the second season is just devoid of any sort of creative choices, uh, as far as designs are concerned. Um, yeah, not great. It's bad. And this is a show that exists and is now part of the Kong pantheon forever. Uh, is it the worst thing Kong has ever come out with? Uh, no, there's probably some of those, uh, animated shows that are worse than this, but, uh, like the, the cartoon, uh, not 3d animated. Uh, do I recommend you check out the show? Absolutely not. Avoid it. If you can, if you are that curious and like you want something to put on for your kids, I suppose there's worse things you can put on. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's still just a bad time. All things required. Well, that's it. Another holiday special down. Thanks to all the folks who dedicated way too much time, uh, to this project. It really warms my heart to hear all your voices. Um, so, uh, yeah, I really can't wait for season three next year, guys. This was a lot of fun. And um, what was that that Kyle just said? The, <laughs> the last season? No, that that can't be right. That can't, that can't be right. Hold on a second. Oh, my God. Oh, no. This can't be happening. We hit the bottom and... There's no more Kongs. Oh, God. I I guess it wasn't Kong all the way down after all. Oh. Well, at least I'm sure there are other shows out there. More garbage that I can scan through and more people that I can help see with eyes unclouded. But we have 12 months before we have to worry about that. You know, I've been trying to think about how to end this episode. And, uh, I really, I had like a handful of ideas, uh, that I really just couldn't fully flesh out. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, eventually I, I kind of started to come to an idea. Uh, last year, uh, I said that, uh, this year, 2023 would have its own, or sorry, 2022 ooh, would have its own unique challenges. Uh, and boy, howdy did it. Uh, good golly. Uh, I, I'm sure that you all went through your own, uh, your own difficulties, but man, uh, this year just kept finding new cracks in my armor. Every single month was some new thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was not fun, but, uh, but I did, I did learn something throughout this year. 
something that I've kind of held on to that's really helped me, you know, make sense of everything. Uh, the soul is not a thing. It's not an idea. It's not like a, a ghost inhabiting your body. The soul is a process. It's an alchemical fire that is retooled and reforged and sharpened and reinducted over and over and over again. Every day, every challenge, every moment, you grow and change and adapt. And there's something to be said about that. I don't know what it is exactly that needs to be said about that, but it's something that's really helped me keep going when things are bad or dark or depressing. Um, I guess what I'm saying is just like Kong never gave up, neither should we, uh, is the moral of this season of Tokyo lives. I don't know, man, I can't always be very poetic, but, um, but yeah, I, I started thinking about ways to end this, this episode. And, uh, I, I ra- latched onto, uh, uh, my, my girlfriend's family tradition. Um, so, uh, every year at new year's, we all gather together. Uh, we have a big elaborate meal that lasts the entire day of the 31st, uh, in which at the end of every meal we toast and we say one accomplishment, one thing that happened this year that we are proud of one goal we achieved, one project we finished, one thing that we just liked. It could be something, you know, big or something small. That doesn't really matter. What you're doing, though, is looking back at the the last year positively. Some small thing that you can be happy about with the last year. And then after the ball drops, we can finally look forward to next year and we can say, I want to achieve this. I want to do this thing next year. And so uh, I'm going to do that with you and all my podcast buddies. Uh, Not everyone. Uh, I forgot to ask a handful of people uh, until it was too late. Uh, But I did get some some audio from a handful of folks uh, after they recorded their episode coverage. Uh, So yeah, Uh, let's get that started. Um, Looking back, there's a handful of things that I am proud of, things that I think I did that were cool and fun and entertaining. Uh, I think that I did do a lot of good work on Tokyo Lives. Um, I'm really proud of how my photography has improved just in the last year. Uh, I ran a D&D campaign again for the first time since 2019. Sorry, 2020 really was like the last one. Uh, but like for the first time in years, I did something that I loved. I had a group of people come together and I entertained them for about, <laughs> what was it, like four hours a night for like several weeks uh, or four hours every Friday, I should say. Um, I, I'm i proud of what I did this year. I'm proud uh, that I was able to offer help to a handful of people who went through pretty tough times this year. Uh And I'm proud that I'm still me and that I'm still growing and that tomorrow I will be a better me than I am today and so on and so forth until the end of time. So I was told there's a little bit of a tradition to talk about something that you accomplished in the past year and then uh, talk about what you want to accomplish in the next year or like a kind of a resolution. So I'll throw that here. So this past year, I think I've understood a lot more about like what causes me problems or causes me grief. Um, especially like with my own 
mental issues that I have, you know, the, you know, like, uh, a lot, I, you know, things like anxieties and whatnot. And, um, and, uh, I've kind of helped figure out like how I think and everything. Here's my aspirations and what went well this year, I guess. Um, so this year I got a brand new job that I'm absolutely loving. Uh, I'm really, uh, really moving forward with a possible, just like, you know, happy household as far as finances fin- finances finances are concerned all right new year's goal in keeping with rob's family tradition or at least i think it's rob's uh, my greatest accomplishment for 2022 was moving from washington state to just outside austin texas so howdy neighbors i know at least a few of the tokyo lives crew live here it was a big stressful move but it's looking like it was for the better okay and supposedly i'm supposed to say some stuff about like what went well this year and Things I hope for next year? I don't know. Let's see. What went well? Um, I presented at a conference back in February on my research. Um, So that was fun. And then in September, I went to a big conference, the German Studies Association Conference, which is an international conference that brings in German scholars, or, or I should say Germanists from all over the world, um, it was terrifying. I hated it for the most part, but I was there because I was part of a very special slash prestigious workshop in which I got to talk to other people who researched the same little niche thing as me. So that was nice. Um, I met some really cool people, people who had actually watched me present back in February, and they complimented me like a lot. And it was really awkward. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? So that was, you know, that was a thing that I did. Um, got to meet a whole bunch of scholars that I respect and admire and uh, didn't fangirl out because that would be weird and I don't do that. Um, I'm too cool for that. Then in October, I actually started a new job, a full-time uh, senior academic advisor at the university I work at. So I work directly with students, helping them on their academic trajectories, which is something that I'm really interested in, because I may be getting a PhD, but I don't really want to teach. No offense to all the university students out there, but uh, you write terrible essays, and I hate you. I'm tired of reading them. You make me want to hurt someone. I'd much rather be doing this. Uh, As for... um, So Rob was asking me to bring up my accomplishments of 2022 and what I hope to get accomplished into the new year. So 2022 accomplishments, I got a couple of uh, articles in a few fanzines, uh, Gamma the Great by Kaiju Hime and Travis's uh, Kaiju Ramen. I got a few articles there and I'm officially a published writer. And I have a few articles that went big on Phaser Media. So that's pretty cool. Um, and in terms of just my day-to-day life, I got promoted as a manager in my day job. So, yay, promotion! Uh, as for what I want to get accomplished next year, I'm going to keep it a little secret, but I'm working on something IG related and it's going to be a project I've been working on for years. I don't know if I'll get the full enough done to get a, make an announcement next year, but at the very least, I'm going to get as much as I can, uh, as much as I can done and hopefully you guys will hear about it soon wink wink nudge nudge merry christmas and rob you better give me something good next year for christmas because i am tired of this monkey crap there's a political theory called the third place um 
and I've been reading a lot about it. I've been reading a lot of political theory in general uh, because I've become that kind of nerd. Uh, But the third place is this ecosystem that exists outside of our normal hierarchies. Uh, The home has its own hierarchy. You've got family, you've got loved ones, you've got your pets, that kind of stuff. There's a routine and an established process there. Uh, Then there's work, which is the second place. And that has, again, its own hierarchy. It's got your bosses, got your coworkers, your favorite lunch spots, that kind of stuff. The third place is something that is outside of pre-existing hierarchies that allows you to intermingle with other people and grow and adapt and change. Uh, I don't have a third place really much anymore. That used to be maybe going to bars. Uh, it used to be hanging out like with friends at like pool halls or whatever else. Uh, 2022 really kind of hammered home that I don't do like third place activities anymore. I don't have extra like extra social community spaces. Um, so in 2023, one of my pr- like top goals is to create community environments, ecosystems for myself to be in with new people, new faces, new experiences. Uh, some of that's going to be things I know how to do already, like backyard movie nights, uh, which will be very fun. That's like some of the earliest memories I have with like Kyle and Marissa when we started hanging out. Um, I I also just want to like go hang out places and like join photography groups. I want to publish some of my photos. I think that'd be cool. Um, I also, you know, uh, am starting the process of like looking to maybe move outside of Austin, uh, uh, which is is sad for for Atomic Turtle, uh, for Matt, who is uh, his future thought is coming up in just a little bit. I'm not moving away from Austin like immediately. Uh, I love Austin dearly, but uh, I, I am I'm getting to a point where I can't financially uh, thrive in Austin. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, I'm going to be doing some travel. I'm going to be doing a lot more photography. I'm going to be doing a lot of scooting and motorcycling. And I'm going to be meeting people and talking to people face-to-face again. Uh, as much as safely can be done, barring any new surges of COVID, which, you know, whatever, that's probably going to happen. Um, but yeah, I'm also going to try and just do more with my life. I'm going to try and be involved and invested in as many things as I can be because uh, I miss that. I miss that kind of sense of community and that space that I used to have with other people. And uh, I want to have that again. Um, and I hope that you all have your own third place and you find something that brings you joy and success, and happiness, and completion, and continues that alchemic process that is the human soul. Um, But yeah. I guess my hope for the next year is to continue on this path. Um, I really enjoy my new job. It's been going great. They're very flexible um, with me and my my classwork, and having my uh, little boy in my office with me all the time, screaming and eating all my cookies. So it's good to have that kind of support. Next year, I'm hoping to buy a house and 
get some more stability. I'm working on my applications to different conferences. I've got letters of recommendation from my faculty, and they've all just been giving me so much praise, which I can't stand. I don't like praise. So that's that's going great. Um, so yeah, I don't like talking about goals because then that means I have hope and hope is something I choose not to have because if you have hope, you get let down and I choose not to get let down. I'm a realist. I know for a fact things are going to suck, but I still have to keep going. So that's the mentality I'm taking into the new year. I guess the only new year's resolution I have is to ingest more vitamin C so that I don't get sick seven times in six months. Peace. And a goal I have for 2023 is to run a half marathon. I need some new running shoes, but they're very expensive. <laughs> oh, that was a really bad Mr. Dink. Okay, bye. I'm really looking forward to next year to growing the podcast in a lot of different ways. I'm looking forward to doing more video game streams next year. I'm looking forward to doing more stuff with the uh, our, our patrons on our, on our Discord server. I'm looking forward to keeping this job and really uh, maybe buying a house next year. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm really excited for next year. Um, and I, I'm very hopeful for the future of Tokyo lives for sure. I'm also happy that we are finally putting this series to bed. And I'm also happy that I was able to rant for a good five minutes about the end of this show. So, uh, but I hope you have a good, happy new year. Hope you have a happy, uh, yeah, well, I guess it'll be after Christmas. So have a happy new year and we'll see you in January, everybody. Bye. What I'd like to do for the next year is take that knowledge and use it more into helping myself so that I can do the things that I want to do more and not beat myself up for it when I don't, because I do have a terrible habit of that. Um, and I think if I can do that, I can get a lot more things accomplished than, you know, than, and, and I think this is more than just saying like, Oh, I just want to lose weight for the next year. Oh, I just want to do like, no, I think I want to work on that a bit more because I think that will help me accomplish many things that I've wanted to do and also, you know, just um not shoot too high. Be more reasonable with myself. And that's it for twenty twenty two. Uh yeah. Man, uh it's been a wild year. Uh we d- we covered a lot of content. We talked a lot uh, about a lot of things. Um uh I had so much fun sharing my thoughts and ideas with all of you. Uh, and I'm so glad that you took the time to listen to me and all of my friends be uh, goofballs and uh, occasionally being earnest with you guys uh, and gals and non-binary pals. There we go. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I suppose it's time for the, the theme music to kick in here. And, and uh, I guess I'll see you all in the next episode of Tokyo Signals in 2023. Woo! Yeah, happy This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. So yeah, there's some uh, wholesome uh, kind of, uh, you know, little thing there uh, or something. You know, mental health, good. Don't beat yourself up.
Kong King of the Apes is a terrible show, and uh, I you should feel bad for uh, getting people to review these episodes. I just wanted to say that both of you are, all of you are just ter terrible people, just um, the worst. Okay, goodbye.